Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fight Site interview. Today, we have the pleasure and privilege of former UFC title contender, multiple time former UFC title contender, amazing MMA wrestler, someone who uh, some new fans should really go back and watch the fight footage from his time uh, at the top of the UFC lightweight division. Gray Maynard, first of all, Gray, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. Uh, before we begin, everyone, just make sure you go check out thefightsite.com. Incredible articles, amazing analysts. You know the drill at this point. Make sure you check us out on Patreon. You can support us directly, get access to the Discord channel, uh, to get to ask questions for the Fightsite podcast, just tons of extra content that you would not get normally on the fight site. Follow us on YouTube, share, subscribe, like the com like the video and comments. It really does help us out. And also make sure you follow us on Stitcher, Apple, and uh, uh, Spotify as well. Uh, leave a comment and a five-star rating if you could. All right, great. We're actually here to talk about a topic that's uh, generally a little different than these interviews. You normally I just talk about the fighters and the way they train and their styles and stuff like that. But this is actually a really serious topic, at right. least for me and you, for sure, for you. Uh, fighter pay. It's been coming up because, I guess, uh, more because John Jones and George Masvidal have been making a little bit of noise, which is great. Um, but you've been extremely vocal on, on Twitter and social media recently about the stories you and other fighters are coming out of the woodworks as well and talking about it a lot more recently. And I think it's really important. So what specifically got you to start being extremely vocal? And let's go from there. Well... You know, you have to bide your time a little bit, um, especially with the UFC. Um, anytime you're not a big star like uh, GSP or John Jones or George, um, you're usually fighting paycheck to paycheck. And um, that means you can't, ha you don't have the uh, ability to hold out as long, right? right? Um, and what can happen is, if you speak out, um, then the UFC gets pissed and, you know, uh, gives you bad matchups. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things uh, that could happen. You could go on the shelf or you could just talk about your pay and hold out. But how long are you going to hold out when, uh, when the bills are due? You know, um, the majority of the guys – in the UFC roster, I would say 95 to 97 or 8 percent, you know, um, don't have much of a holdout, you know, period with the money that they make. Um, you know, you get a couple guys who have their own gyms and, you know, can do that, but, um, you know, make a little bit of income on the side, but um, for the majority, like, even if you're working a second job, it's not a job to, like, to be able to hold out too long. Um, so what happened was 2018, we parted our ways. Uh, um, that was after my, my Nick Lenz fight. And, uh, you know, I've just been helping coach people, helping, um, you know, a couple different gyms and, and, uh, you know, just watching the same stuff happen, like like guys literally paying to be into the UFC. They'll they'll spend more on their camps than they make in their fight. You know, and um, um, you know, it's just pissed me off a long time, and and just going through it. You know, there was never a payoff like in my, you know, in my career. Um, 
you know, I've probably fought for the title twice. Uh, numerous number one contendership, uh, you know, bouts, uh, a lot of, a lot of main events, co-main events, you know, pr- that was probably half my career just, just in the main events, you know, number one contender, co-main events. And, um, uh, you know, it just, there was never a payoff, you know, and I'm still watching it. Like, these people are, are, are literally paying, paying money to be in the UFC to train for, to train for bouts that, that, you know, all the big wigs are, are, are pulling in hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, you know, and based on the percentage of what they're paying us, um, we're talking about 15 to 18% of, um, what they're making, is going to us and um you know you look at the nfl you look at the nba you look at most pro sports they're at about about 50 percent if not a little bit more or a little bit less but um you look at bellator 50 percent you look at a lot of boxing promotions um you know even higher than that you know and a lot of people don't really understand. And, and, and I was in a time period to where um, it was in a gross stage, but there was still a lot of money coming in, you know. And, and when, the company got, when the company got sold off, I think the numbers were great. But it's not that the numbers were great. It's more of there's no rules protecting us. And there's no rules really on the horizon yet other than the Ali act. We're, we're trying to push that. But like, if you look at it, they can, they, they can hold, hold that down. They can, they can try to, um, uh, you know, push that back as long as possible. But there, when you, when you control the rules of a game, you control the game and that's what they're doing right now because there's absolutely no rules that, help us that that protect us as athletes and um you know if you look at the ali act the ali act covers boxing it covers combat sports well mma isn't a combat sport technically below the ali act so it, it it's 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 interesting and it's, it's important for people to understand that when you say that there's no protections there's no there's really no anything and it's paycheck to paycheck like people don't realize that you guys aren't employees or you're not classified as employees when you're fighting for the ufc you're qualified no so we're an independent contractor we're an independent contractor we get 1099 at the end of every year um you know and 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 usually an independent contractor might be like if you hire a plumber right and uh the plumber comes to your house does a little bit of work, you pay his company, and then he uh, he pays a little bit of taxes on that, whatever, he moves on to the next job. Well, we're basically like that. They're paying us to come in to fight, and but here's the problem with that. We can't move on to the next job. As long as we're in a contract with them, we're in a contract with them. So if we hold out on a fight, you know, um, they can, 
it's not like we can go anywhere else. You know, Dana, he's uh, said, well, John and George don't have to fight. Well, yeah, they do to make money. They have to fight with the UFC if they want to fight. They can't move on to the next promotion. They can't do anything. They have to fight f- uh, for however long they contracted him for. And usually they try to get big names in on six to eight fights. Um, you know, and usually they they tempt you to like into doing that by by raising your your price a little bit if you go that way. Right. And again, you're talking about people, you're talking about a guy like George. He's, he's come up through, through nothing. He's been, he's been paid nothing, been in the game for a long time. You know, he's finally getting paydays. It looks nice, you know, Hey, you know, I'm just going to rattle the, like when I signed my fight contract in 2014, this was after I was on the nine fight contract, like after the TV show. The TV show, you have to sign it. Uh, it's a nine-fight contract. And what happened was I was basically uh, six or seven and oh, undefeated. Beat Edgar, beat Clemente, beat um, Jim Miller, beat all these guys. And I started at like eight and eight, like 8,000 and 8,000, 10,000. You know, and you move up with each win, 10,000, 10,000, 12,000, 12,000. You know, and I was probably at like 16 and 16 because I was six or seven and oh. And, you know, I call him up. I'm like, dude, you guys got to move my contract up. Like, I've, I've, you know, and it was a pain in the ass to Joe Silva. And, you know, um, he barely moved it up. It was like, 16 and and uh, 16 to like 20 and 20 or something like that, you know, 21 and 21. And then, um, and the only reason I asked for that, because I was uh, fighting Nate Diaz on a main event for the number one contendership, you know, and that's what I was asking for. And it was a big deal to him, you know? And um, so you know, I beat Diaz, I beat Florian, you know, I beat, um, then they gave me the title shot, which, uh, which I walked into that cage at 26 and 26. Um, then I, I went through a couple four contract. Um, when, when I went into that cage at 26 and 26, gave them a pretty good fight. I mean, they probably play it, you know, 300 times a year, um, you know, it was a draw. It was title fight, one of the best title fights, you know, gave them everything they wanted. I got a standard bonus. I got a standard um, locker room, you know, kind of bonus. And then um, two days later, uh, Joe Silva calls my agent up and, and, and just basically haggles him down to the lowest price possible which the next fight was 42 and 42, which no pay-per-view points, the same bonus, you know, and that's it, you know? And uh, so that's when I kind of learned, I was like, this, this is, uh, 
there's no payoff in this. Like this is, this is a scam. And, but you know, where else was I going to go? You know, strike force was, was, uh, was a great promotion, but a lot of people looked at it as a local show, kind of a bigger local show in the San Jose area. You had a lot of champs, um, kind of from that area. Everybody likes Scott Coker, but, um, you know, it just wasn't, didn't really have that, the depth and the talent. Um, so, you know, Bellator was kind of just getting going. Uh, Bjorn Remney, the, the, um, the verdict was kind of out on him. And, uh, but they bought out pretty much everybody else. And, and, and then in 2014, uh, you know, I was on a little slide uh, in my career when I moved up to AKA and, uh, you know, moved back and, and, and just took a little dip in my career. You know, um, I was trying to do a lot of, a lot of stuff, a lot of other stuff, trying to make more income and not depend on fighting as much. Um, because, you know, at 42 and 42, you know, I moved up to the Bay Area. You know, Dana called me after my uh, after my last title um, after my last title fight, and he was like, you know, I think you should move up to AKA. You know, ended up going up there. Um, and 42 grand, if you lose a fight, that's like poverty up there, <laughs> literally. You know, and um, and so uh, you know, ended up coming back home, and and uh, he called me in the office, and uh, he had me sign an eight fight contract. You know, and um, I thought I was going to be able to get it done a lot quicker, but you know, life happens and whatever. And um, but that's what they try to do to lock in people that they've put a lot of marketing money into and, and who kind of have names because once they lock you in there to an A fight contract, you go on a little bit of a skid and this is what happened to me. Um, I lost my first fight on that contract. He called me in the office again and asked me to retire knowing that he just signed my A fight contract. You know, so that's that's knowing that I'm going to have to to go in my mind. I got to go through that whole contract to be to be able to be a free agent, because if I retire in contract, that means they own me still. Even if I come back, I, I can't go anywhere else if I retire in contract with them. It, it's it's kind of like uh, I mean, it's not kind of it is it's. You kind of have all of the uh, the negatives of the independent contractor, while all of the negatives right. of being an employee, and you right. don't really have any outs because you're locked into these long-term contracts. You don't have any any way of renegotiating because they have all of the power uh, in these in these negotiations. They can cut you at any time, but you can't leave the contract at any time. If you, like you said, you're exactly. retired, you're still stuck in that contract. You can't go anywhere. Uh, and, and you brought up how, you know, that title fight, anybody who's watched that fight knows, knows how incredible 
that fight was. And it was just like that first round, I think you got 10 8 you 10 8 Frankie. And really, if there ever was a 10 7 round, that was it. Uh, yeah. But like just going over the numbers of that pay per view, they sold, I think, 270,000 as the reported number, which is a sixth. And the average pay per view buy would be between 55 and 65. So it's 60. They made over 16 million in pay-per-view buys alone. Half of it goes to the cable providers, so eight, plus the gate. So this doesn't include fighter co- at non-fighter costs, so anything they have to do in the, sta- in the uh, arena, but it doesn't include merchandise sales. It doesn't include any of that, or any of that, really. So you're talking about, and the total fire, fighter reported payout was a million dollars. So we're talking yep. about maybe 10%. And if we, and we're, based on all the numbers, we're talking about 15 to 18% maybe of their revenue goes to the fighters, but like you said, that's unacceptable. And there's no pensions because yeah. you're employees. There's no mandatory health insurance. There's no, none of the benefits of being an employee. So, none. Absolutely none. You know, it's like telling a plumber, you know, you gotta wear, you gotta wear the Reebok deal and uh, you gotta wear a Reebok, you know, outfit and uh, you can't wear your own brands or you can't wear anything else. You gotta wear a Reebok outfit and you can only work for me. That's it. Well, that was actually gonna be the next question I had, like, cause you were there for the pre-Reebok and the post-Reebok era. How, how damaging was that to fighters' ability to earn income using their, their, their platform in the UFC to get sponsorships in your experience personally, as well as from fighters you have spoken to and trained with. Right. Um, so a guy just coming into the UFC or prelims, you know, especially if you've been with the UFC a little bit and you're on the prelims, I, I mean, it's probably about even, but you also, you have to understand, like you make relationships with, you know, a lot of your sponsors and, and you might be able to, to own stock in the company, or you might be able to, to work for them after you're done fighting, or there, there's a lot of different benefits of, of, you know, being able to have that. And, and even on the prelim cards, like, yeah, maybe it didn't kill them fighting like, like dollar to dollar, but you know, it hurt the, it hurt the opportunity to um, to to build your own business brand and 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 to uh, to work with other people, right? Um, now, where it did hurt uh, um, a whole lot was people fighting for titles, people fighting for you know a lot of main events. That's where it kills them. Even if you've been in the UFC for um, you know, however long it takes to get that 15 grand. And then once you get over 20 fights, it's like 20 grand. You could make triple, you could make quadruple that. Like, um, if not even more, there was people making a couple hundred grand in sponsorships on each fight. You know, if you were a big name or if you were a main event, you know, now they're paying like only title fights, 40 grand, you know, and, that's if you're a champ. And then, uh, you know, if you've been in the UFC for a long time, like 15 to 20 grand, yep, that's a lot of money out of people's pockets. Prelim, eh, it might be the same, but, you know, that, that, that takes away an opportunity to work with other businesses to, 
to uh, create these contacts and and you know to understand how like how this works and how much you're worth and and uh, you know there's a lot of opportunity in that you know in that aspect and and it's it's kind of crazy when you you know you were talking about how like after those title fights you were looking for other ways to make more money because your job which is fighting wasn't cutting yeah. it and yeah and what that other... was when i was the best in the world too. exactly number and one, number two. no no other sport you don't ever hear a pro football player say yeah i gotta get another job because you know the base pay is just not good enough the championship level pay is just not good enough but they start companies because they have that money to be able to secure themselves as opposed to yeah, it, you guys not having any other choice, which is crazy. Don't so, throw money in, into an, uh, into a business, you know, as like an NFL athlete, I know a bunch of them and, you know, they'll throw money into a business, but not have to put in any sweat equity because here's the money. Here's my name. You guys figure this out and, you know, Pay my dividends when, when, you know, and that's what's happening with the UFC. There's a lot of like NFL athletes that threw in money and uh, like actresses and actors. And, you know, this is, these are people that make a living because of a union, make a good living because of a union, you know, and rules that, that, that help them to make the living. You know, and and they're throwing in money because there's big dividends coming back because we don't have rules. We don't have, um, you know, a union. We don't have anything protecting us, you know, and and it's like after I fought my um, after like I fought my TJ Grant fight, um, you know, like I had to like figure out ways to do this and 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 just uh, you know, I was remodeling a house trying to trying to prepare for Diaz again in a main event uh, you know like working eight hours a day like on a house like like remodeling a house but then going to train for a fight that you know Nate Diaz is a, a tough a tough opponent to train for. You know, especially a main of event card in it was on Fox, I think. But it was the so. main event card. Yeah. yeah. It was um UFC on Fox. It was the ultimate uh, FX fighter. Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, against Nate, it was actually the ultimate fighter finale, yeah. 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 Yeah, but like I couldn't put every and and that's what I learned coming up to the title fight was, you know, like I would barely break even. I would I would be kind of living off my sponsorship, uh, um, you know, cash I earned, and and uh, you know, and of course I won every fight, you know, I was in, and that's that's you know I get half of my paycheck more. You know, I get uh, um, you know if I'm fighting for a sixteen and sixteen, you know, I get that like extra sixteen, mm-hmm. and. Um, coming up, you know, looking at the numbers, it was like, man, this makes no sense what I'm paying for training camps, but it's going to pay off. I know it's going to pay off. Keep working, keep striving, you know, and, uh, you know, I sacrificed a lot. And then once that title fight came and, and, 
there was just no payoff. And, and I really had to reevaluate, you know, how I looked at my training and how I looked at my expenses. And then, you know, we, um, a couple of fights after that, you know, a kid on the way, it just made no sense to put it all back into, you know, it, like, and it's not like, you know, I'm taking, you know, I'm taking my sponsor money and I'm putting it back, you know, I'm putting it in, into a bank account or whatever, you know, and I tried to do that. Like I would take my bonuses because that's stuff that I can't expect and count on. You know, I would put that away into retirement funds, real estate, whatever it is, because you cannot count on that. That's, you know, I didn't know if they were having a good day, a bad day. You never knew what kind of bonus checks you would get. It's yeah. And uh, it's, it's interesting that, you know, you're, you're pointing out, you brought up the, the page, the show win bonus. Uh, the, you show up, here's your paycheck, just like any other person who comes to work. But in reality, right. half of your paycheck, what you're deemed valued as, which is severely undervalued, but we know that, um, if they're valuing you as 2626, they're valuing you at 52,000, but they're taking away half your paycheck if you lost that fight, which is yes. absurd. And yes, fighters, but like they still said, get the same fight. They exactly. Exactly. Still get the same fight. But if you, yeah, but you know, again, I was kind of talking about the bonus checks afterwards, the backroom you know, bonus, because what they tried to keep, what they tried to do is keep you at a low pay to keep everybody, uh, to knowing that that would be reported like on the books. So 16 and 16, whatever it is. You know, and that's reported on the books. That's reported on the websites. Whatever you have to, you have to give that to, you have to give that to the commission. But then after a fight, they would give you anywhere from like, I don't know, twenty five hundred to, to um, you know, it could go up, like it could go up and up. You know, it depends on what what um, what card you fought on you know, and, uh, and where you were at, you know, uh, there was a couple times I got like an extra 10 grand, but there was no, there was no, like, like, um, there was no sense to it. It was always like, um, arbitrary, you know? Yeah, it was arbitrary, you know, obviously the bigger card that you were on and the higher you were on that card, you got like a little bit more, but you could never count on that. Right. You know, there, there was a time where, you know, I fought Ryan Hall, you know, and usually it was around Christmas time, you know, and usually like I got a $2,500, um, you know, bonus because whatever, 3000 maybe, you know, the last couple. And um, with the Ryan Hall fight, like I remember Dana, you know, he called me up. He's like, hey, it was around Christmas time. He's like, hey, I want to put some money into your bank account for, uh, you know, Christmas. And I was like, okay, oh, that's cool. But but I never got a bonus for that fight, right? So <laughs> he told me it was like Christmas, but it was it was actually my bonus. But, wow. that, but, but, but because it was wow. close to Christmas time, you know, it was uh, a Christmas bonus. 
It's like when you lump the birthday and anniversary gift together. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and again, you know, um, like Dana is an amazing talker and, and he's talked his way through, you know, years and years and years of, of, you know, people complaining and like people asking about, you know, fighter pay and, and, and like what's going on. And he just talks his way out of it. He doesn't answer questions and, and, uh, he, you know, he, he's been very good at that, you know, but, um, what I think's happening is people are, are really starting to get these numbers and, and, and people who are getting these numbers are like financial people, lawyers and, 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 uh, really, you know, smart people with the numbers and smart people with laws and, you know, are starting to understand it more and more and seeing how bad it's been. What do you think? I mean, we know that there's lawsuits, obviously, currently ongoing against the UFC. Um, uh, Monopoly. There's, an, there's a. Yeah, there's an antitrust. A, yep. Um, action. Yep. And, and I think that's obviously important, but how, how we need, obviously we need to get people who are currently in the UFC on board with the idea of, I don't know if they can get a union because of the fact that you are classified as independent contractors. So maybe an right. association, but what would it take? I know Leslie Smith is working with Project Spearhead really hard to push right. for a unionization of some sort. What do you think right. fighters need to do? How do you convince active fighters to get on board? Because... Like you said, they fear retaliation. Active, so yeah, you know, active is 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 hard, right? Again, and we we discussed this a little bit, like at the beginning, and, and that's just um, you know, people have to people have to um, to put food on the table, you exactly. know. And Dana White knows that he he understands that, and that's what he's created. Again, you pay people too much money, they have power to to um, you know, to hold out and to be like, no, you're not treating us right. Or no, this isn't right. You know, so um, the majority of the athletes, you know, can't really do it. And I understand it, you know. Uh, so um, I'm not really expecting a lot of current athletes to jump on board just because they can't. Right, they <laughs> can't so, afford to, literally you know, cannot afford to. Yes. You know, and, 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 you know, again, it's, it's keep them hungry, you know, keep these people hungry, literally to where they have to take fights. They have, which, which is like, um, uh, you know, he talks about how boxing is corrupt and, and it's, 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 it's not good because, you know, people are dodging people and it's just like, no, they're not dodging people. We're fighters. We, we fight. That's what we do. But the numbers don't make sense at the time. It's like, no, this doesn't make sense. I'm not going to give you all the money, right? Or, you know, this guy, uh, you know, Floyd and Pacquiao, that would have been a great fight, like, in their prime. But they couldn't agree on the numbers, which, which why do you have to – why is it okay to starve a person to make them, to make them compete against each other? Why is that okay, you know? And um, – you know, oh, for like our enjoyment or for you to benefit, you know, off this, you know, Dana and, you know, all the promoters to, to benefit majority of it, 
you know, so that's kind of what's happening is a lot of people, you know, will go hungry if they don't fight. It's, it's, it's interesting and it's important for people to really understand what's going on. It's and, and a common refrain that we keep hearing both from people like, you know, Dana and people who are within the industry and in the company who are benefiting from the current system, as well as I would say less educated fans of the sport and what's really going on. Generally, the less hardcore variety will say, well, you just don't sign the contract. You, you sign the contract too bad. Deal with it. And you you know Joe Silva stories I think was the the hashtag. Uh, you've you've given a few examples of manipulation used by people like Joe Silva, Dana White, to coerce and manipulate fighters into signing these contracts and keep them down. How do you, how do you convey that to them and say like no we don't really have a choice here? Yeah, you know, and and that's kind of why I'm trying to get more of the the past athletes to kind of share a little bit more um, just because I don't want to put like, I don't want to put the current, you know, on, uh, like on the spot. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that George and John, you know, stepped up and, and, um, but you know, it wouldn't be uh, fair of me to, you know, to be asking, you know, current people who are under contract, you know, to, um, to stand up like that, you know, so I'm kind of going after like a little bit more of, you know, the past athletes and just getting stories out there. Uh, so after my, my title fight where it was a draw and, you know, again, it was a big deal and, uh, you know, normal, you know, normal backroom bonus, normal, pretty much everything. And, you know, Dana all pumped up. He's like, man, that's great. Pat me on the back. You know, but again, two days later, Joe Silva, it was good cop, bad cop. Joe Silva calls up. He's he's like, you know, I don't even, he calls my agent. And, you know, I don't, I don't even, uh, like, feel like he should be getting the title shot and blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, actually after the, the fight, Dana wasn't even at the press conference. And, you know, he gave it to, he said Anthony Pettis was going to be going you know, next, and uh, because it was a draw, and and you know, so it, it's it's hard to say like, no, I'm not going to sign that contract when you're already dealing with like a person that doesn't even want you to have the title shot, right? And you're right at the verge of your dreams and your goals, everything you've worked for, you've bled, you've sweated, you know, you you've um, you've done all that you could. You know, and, uh, you know, um, it's, it's, it's hard to, you know, to tell, you know, to tell people how that feels. Oh, here's a contract. You got to sign this. Okay. But, uh, you know, I don't like it, but it's like, I got to get this title shot. I want this title shot. I've worked everything I've had. You know, I've put money back into this. I haven't made much. You know, this this might be it. This might be that time. You know, and that's what what I feel as as if it is is um, you know, just a carrot dangled in front of you. Uh, before I pivot to a, a separate ish um, portion of the 
negotiations, which would involve managers and your thoughts on the general state of MMA management. Um, just can you tell people who may not know just how much it costs monetarily to do these fight camps to be a fighter, just the costs associated with it and how much fighters have to spend from their own money in order to be able to just get to the cage? Right. And so usually I do it like w with a hundred grand just because it's, it's, it's pretty easy, but Perfect. let's, let's do it on 10 grand. Let's do it on 10 grand sure. just to make it easier, just because there are people, you know, on a 10 grand bonus or, you know, on a 10 grand, you know, if they lose a fight, right. um, uh, 15% goes to taxes usually, you know, um, take one one point five off of ten grand then you're talking about a management you know usually ten percent there's another thousand uh usually ten percent ten to fifteen percent goes to your training your coaches not even your training your coaches um you usually have a striking coach you usually have a grappling coach you might have a head coach you know to kind of organize your camp there's there's you get three people in your corner, you know, if you're not a main event. And so if you have three real coaches, you have to pay for them to, to come out there and you only get two flights. Now, not two coaches flights, two flights, your flight, you know, and a coach's flight. So you have two more coaches. You have to fly out on your dime. You get one hotel room where everybody's supposed to stay in. Not two hotel rooms. If you get two hotel rooms, you buy that. You buy that. That you buy the extra hotel room. Uh, so, you know, not including any. So not 50, including any supplements what? either. You're not including any supplements or oh, extra things like food. Just training. regular. If yeah. You if you go away to train, I know people that, that come out here to use the PI that have to pay for flights out here, have to pay for an Airbnb, have to pay for hotel rooms, whatever it is, <laughs> you know, and if you're only doing, and I knew, and I know people that are literally at 10 and 10 doing that. <laughs> it's. <laughs> and so you're talking about just with what we're, what we're talking about, like, where are you at? Like three grand now? Like that uh, may have? maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe you eat out you eat out for a camp, you know, for you know, each week of a of a camp, you know, that's another like five hundred dollars or whatever it is. And, and I mean just just the cost of, of like supplements, the cost of it 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 adds up so quick. It adds up so quick. And then you look at an NFL, you look at an NBA. You know, I know players. They don't spend a dime on anything. They're training. They, if they hire a private coach, maybe to keep them kind of in shape or they like a different, you know, strength and conditioning coach, maybe. But they get their meals for free. You know, they get that there's, there's um, you know, a ton of stuff. And, you know, again, I don't want to get on that. Uh, right. too much but like the way we're, we're doing it you know that's a 10 grand pay scale even at 100 grand you're walking away with 
maybe half of that. Maybe. And just just to really hammer home the point, the reason why the and that and that uh, yeah. and, and here's another thing. If you do get hurt, you're on the shelf. You you make no money. Exactly. You make no money. And 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 maybe when you know, and that's the thing about the sponsorships. When we could get sponsorships and we could work with other, you know, sponsors, they were still getting a cut of those sponsors. They the sponsors had to pay them a hefty sum to be to be allowed in the cage. Oh yeah, they had the uh, the, the the sponsor tax, which was supposedly yes. to protect fighters from yes. iffy sponsors. And in reality, fighters came out. Again, we're talking. I remember there was talk yes. also like you've actually made us lose sponsors. Yes, you know, and and you know, also, um, I've never heard this personally, but you know, I know a lot of managers were were kind of talking about it. Um, you know, and like I only tell. I only try to tell the truth of what I know, but you know, I'll explain stuff that, that I haven't heard. And I'll, I'll try to clarify that. Like I never heard this personally, but a lot of managers would say the sponsors that they were dealing with the U S the UFC would call them, you know, and like ask them like, Hey, do you just want to be in that? Like, like on the cage, like instead of sponsoring the guys, you know, to take the money. Oh, that's especially if it was especially if it was a big sponsor. That is um that's bad. That's I have actually yeah. never heard that before. That is really yeah. messed up. Yeah, a lot of a lot Just of big sponsors would get calls uh like from the UFC, you know, who because they, they research who has money, who's who's you know, who's a big time sponsor, you know, and, and that's where you see a lot of those, a lot of the sponsors like on the billboard or like on the, 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 like on the padding on the mats, you know, um, you know, and that's, that's what I heard from, uh, some of the agents is they were getting feedback off of the, the actual sponsors. Like, Hey dude, like I got a call from the UFC. You know, trying to get us like on the mat or on the the post. That's that's just actually stealing money, trying to steal money from the pockets of the fighters to just that. Wow. I okay. yeah, you know, and that's and <laughs> I'm not and, surprised. And that's just, but that's just that's just um, it's just mm-hmm. ruthless, and that's that's what the UFC is. They're ruthless. They're you know, and and a lot of people that that I've heard have worked with them. They're like, dude, they are so hard to work with, you know, because they want everything. And, and a person gave me a number. I think it was John Fitch or Nate Corey. They're in that lawsuit, but they gave me a number. Like the USC makes almost, it was definitely over 90% of every dollar spent on MMA. <laughs> I I mean I I I, I definitely want to that that's it's it's ruthless and just that's pure greed too because that's yeah. 
Now still I don't get to get paid from the sponsorship verification tax. on that. Right. Like I don't have verification on those numbers and, and right. Um, you know, again, I heard this off, off my own ears, you know, all the managers would, would, uh, uh, say that, you know, and again, it was bigger sponsors, which that was kind of few and far between a lot of times, but they had the money to, to, to be on the cage and, and, you know, they have people researching that. It wasn't, wasn't going after like a small sponsor, you know, it was kind of like, yeah, well, you know, they're, they pretty much don't have enough money, you know, to spend on that. But, um, you know, as far as that other number, that's what, uh, I'm pretty sure John Fitch or, um, Corey told me and it, it actually, they told me higher, but I'm just trying to be a little cautious and, and say about like 90% of every dollar spent on MMA goes to the UFC. Wow. I mean, before I pivot to the MMA management questions, because I do want to know how agents and, and management work compared to other sports, but just, just as an aside to something you said before, they're, let alone the unions and associations, but just the concept of paying for your athletes to be the best they possibly could with the training equipment. It makes sense on a, from a logical standpoint. You want to be able to give the best product possible so that you make the most return possible. And when you're basically forcing people to starve themselves, they're not going to be able to perform the best way. They're, like you said, you were working on a bunch of different stuff during your fight camps and you weren't able to fully dedicate yourself. And I'm sure that's true of a lot of fighters. Um, right. Moving to the MMA management sphere, how does, what is your experience personally within that? And how do you feel they do with working with the USC? Do you, do you know of really good examples of managers or agents that really went to bat for their fighters or of maybe doing the opposite where they made sure to just try and get the best deal they possibly could for themselves. Anything that you know about in that uh, sphere of influence, right? And I want to back up real quick. Oh, go for it. Um, just, just to, to kind of clarify how how it was. So you take me and Bisbing, right? Mm -hmm. Bisbing, he was a new market. Um, you know, he was um, he was he he won the ultimate. Uh, he won the ultimate fighter, which um, I've like, I forgot who he beat on the ultimate fighter. Uh, Jason Lambert, I want to say, is that, uh, I think okay. that was the finals yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good memory. Um, but, you know, you look at his career compared to my career and because he was a new market, because of whatever he, he did, like, like our pay isn't, it wasn't even close to what, what, to what they, wasn't even close to each other. Right. Right. And, um, uh, you know, and that's what they do is, is, um, you know, there's no standards. There's no, uh, again, there's no rules. Like I was like, I literally went 10 fights without losing. One was a no contest, went seven, went eight, went eight, no. And then that was, that was nine fights without losing, then had that draw with Edgar. So I was pretty close to, to, 
No, I was at 10 fights without losing. And I was still getting haggled to be at 42 and 42. Whereas you look at a Bisbee, you know, uh, he, he would have been, if he went eight and no, almost 10 and no, I mean, he would have gotten paid a lot more than me. Guaranteed. Well, he got, um, I'm looking it up now, he got 150 for his fight with uh, Dan Henderson. And right. that was. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine fights into his UFC career. Okay. And now so, the backroom bonus. Yes. The backroom bonus. I can say um, he could pro- he probably made a couple hundred off that. And, and two, to be clear to anybody listening, you're definitely not saying that he shouldn't have made that. It's the no. opposite. It's that yeah. he should be making that and more, yeah. and so should everyone else. When you know, you're being and, and, robbed, and, essentially. And you, you see that, like, progression. It's easier to be like, dude, th- okay, you know, I'm not making what I need to make, but, like, at least there's progression. At least I'm putting money away, whereas, as, you know, people that, that are kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say I was expendable, but, like, you know, I wasn't a new market. I wasn't, um, you know, like that type of person, you know, as, you know, as him. And, and, uh, you know, it, it, it just got to the point to where, you know, this is, this is turning out to be a fucking expensive hobby. (laughs) It's, it's, you weren't the damaging hobby. (laughs) Yes. It's actually important to bring that up because People kind of forget that, you know, we watched those crazy fights. We watched the fight where you had with Edgar, where you damn near, I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. You damn near killed a man in the cage, literally. And that's damage he's never getting back. Like, that's years potentially off his life. You know, people get hurt. You brought up TJ Grant. He was ready to get a title shot post-concussive. Uh, syndrome and he's done his career's over and he's gotten I hope he had something you know, and like I that. think our fight you know I think our fight was what happened you know right and um, and after that you know he was he was dealing with a lot of post a lot of post concussion and there's a lot of people that have dealt with that I know a handful of guys that have literally retired because of that and haven't seen a dime to help you know with that um, no, he, he, he had to scramble to get, to get his life back, you know, a, because of the issues he was dealing with and B, you know, just trying to find a job. I think he had to go to work, you know, as, uh, uh up in his area is like a lot of mining. Right. You know? And he, he went into that, you know, great guy, really great guy, tough competitor. He was, uh, he was a smart Smart competitor, tough competitor, just all around, you know, um, just all around a tough guy to beat. And, and, you know, it would have been nice to see him get the title shot. You know, it would have been nice to see him to get the belt, too. You know, he was he was a great guy. One he of still the, is. Uh, absolutely. And, I, of course, we'll wish him the best. I, ho- I hope he's not still yeah. suffering that kind of stuff because I can't imagine what that's like. Um you know, I was speaking with Eric Anders, and he was saying, uh, I mean, he currently works with the UFC, he's, he's a UFC fighter, so we didn't bring up fighter pay necessarily, but 
he said, like, he's like, I'm not going to be able to do this forever. So any money I get, I'm immediately doing. He says he got married, and that's what drove him towards that. But he is trying to do whatever he can to invest in certain things, real estate, different businesses. Uh, in you know, you were talking about doing that later on in your career. Is that something that you really recommend starting right away, at least for now? Um. Yes, of course. I mean, there's retirement funds there's uh you know stock market there's real estate you know and like again i i put a lot of money into real estate you know mm -hmm. and then 08 hit but then you know then it was coming back and you're still putting it in there you know try to live off as little as possible and try to put what you can't count on and this is even what the ufc said in their fighters uh summit that they bring people out to is like live off your uh, your guaranteed money, you know, which a lot of times, like we're talking 10, 26,000. Well, for me, 26, 42,000, you know, my last fight, I was at, at 50 and, and 50. So, you know, I made 50 grand, you know, plus the sponsorship stuff, you know, the Reebok deal. And so, um, you know, like I got two kids, I got, know mortgage and, and you know and and that's kind of that was kind of like um you know dana's uh spiel too you know anytime he talked to you you know just pay off your house and, you know that'll be good you know just kind of like what, what why are you why are you telling me this stuff like i don't get it is it just to keep me at that mindset like i just want to pay off my house or what you know and um uh, you know, it just, it's, it was definitely frustrating and don't get me wrong. It's, it's great to have a house paid off and, right. and whatever, but what, what happens if you pay off your house and you have no money to live on? And then you're retired at, you, gotta, you know, 40. Then you got to sell your house. Exactly. <laughs> or you got to find a new job with, when you spent the last 20 years working on a particular skill set that has no other application other than opening a gym to teach other fighters. So, right. you yeah. know, and, 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 and everybody, you know, and, and, and our kind of goal, you know, our goal was last half of my career, you know, I was making a, uh, a, a good amount of stuff off like real estate, you know, Ally Quinta is doing a great job. He's, right. he's doing real estate. He's using his, you know, he's using his name to do that. Um, I do it a little differently, you know, I'll put money into kind of spec properties and, and, uh, you know, I flipped a couple houses and whatever, but, um, but like we, we put our money or we put our time and our money into, uh, getting my wife through her master's program, which is, uh, functional health and, um, kind of medicine. Um, and it's, it's, it's basically, the way I could describe it is, is more of a holistic doctor. And, sure. you know, that's, that, that was, that was our big, um, you know, deal is, uh, without health, there is no wealth, you know, and, and we definitely want our kids to be healthy. We definitely want, you know, me to be healthy, you know, our whole family to be healthy. And also we see the, we see everybody just kind of steering away from all the pharmaceuticals the pharmaceutical conf conventional 
um, drugs and, right. and, and, you know, doctors to more of like the way it was, you know, how to heal through eating, how to heal through nutrition, how to heal through lifestyle change. Right. You know, because, um, you know, and that's kind of where, where we're heading, you know, and we want to help a lot of fighters with, you know, brain health, brain health is, is really, there's a big component of that. That's, that's directed towards your gut and, and how healthy your gut is. There's a, uh, there's a gut brain connection and that is, um, where a lot of people lack, you know, if you don't eat, nutrient dense foods if you don't have the right bacterias in your gut that affects your brain you know and then you add a bunch of pharmaceuticals on top of that when you get a little depressed you know that also uh like messes up your brain as well you know so it's it's you know i think a lot of pro athletes go down that rabbit hole you know and it's uh just gets worse and worse you know so we're trying to come up with stuff that right we're going to be working on here soon just to, to, to obviously help, you know, people in general, but to help, you know, athletes and, and, you know, also kids, you know, kids are, are, they're developing at a rapid age, you know, uh, zero to 10, their brain, their, 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 their base, their, their foundation of health. Right. And, um, you know, we definitely, you know, this world, it, it's, it really is nice to have a little bit of money and, and to be able to be free of that. But, but, uh, you know, to have your health, it, 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 it really, you know, it means a lot, you know, and we want to help people to achieve that. That's really awesome. And, and it's important to, to obviously brain health in a sport where brain damage oh, is kind God. of the uh, thing. The, the, right. the, yeah. So it's actually really important for people to, to, to know that. So I really, I can't wait to see what you're, you know, definitely, yeah. I'm definitely going to keep an eye out for when you start talking about it. Um, please and yeah, yeah, please. Um, because you know, I've had a few concussions, you know, I've yeah. gener which is obnoxious because I got them doing jujitsu and not boxing, but whatever, you know, yeah we'll call yeah. it, you know, and, 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 and like that's, um, you know, there's a lot of research coming out and, and, and we try to deal with a lot of research based, uh, you know, stuff is, is your body's able to heal a lot of your, your organs, uh, heal its, uh, heal it, heal like on its own and especially your brain, you know, just because we get concussions and just because we, um, we are in this sport doesn't mean that's how it has to be. You know, it doesn't mean we have to hurt it even more through our nutrition and, and through our uh, just lifestyle choices, you know. So um, there's a lot of research out there that, that does uh, say that, that, you know, our brain can heal itself. And, um, you know, if we take the precautions and we take the right steps, we can get better. Uh, we're, we're at the hour mark, but I actually wanted to... Um, also before, before I move on to the next thing, yeah, definitely, uh, if you are listening, please make sure that you follow up on this stuff. Cause I'm actually curious to see the work that you're going to do with athletes and hopefully it's well pub publicized so that people really get involved in that. Um, 
Uh, but moving back to the, um, I think a prior question, I was, it was about MMA management, if you still have some time. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely want to know. Yeah. No, of course. I, I am curious. I mean, MMA management then, throughout your career, agents, I guess, is a different term uh, than just management. Yeah. Uh, right. What kind of function do they have in the MMA sphere with the way the UFC negotiated? And also, do you feel like they've generally been, um, I guess, beneficial to fighters? Or have they more kind of like worked with the UFC to keep them down a little bit? Curious about your thoughts yeah. on that. You know, um, so coming up, I thought, you know, um, you know, I thought a manager and an agent were the same thing, but usually in a pro sport, managers and agents are different, right? This we're talking about NFL, NBA, but in MMA, it's basically the same thing, right? Agent, you know, manager, whatever you want to call them, uh, you can't afford both. Um, uh, so their role was to basically when I was coming up to get you sponsors, they took 20% of that, you know, cause they're actually going out to get that stuff. 10% was, um, was going to your purse. You, you usually gave them about 10%. I know a lot of people that, that paid upwards to 20%, which, which I never paid that, you know, I paid 10%. And I didn't pay uh, a manager or an agent until I got to about the main event with Nate Diaz-ish, um, just because, you know, I was able to get my own sponsors, and, and uh, but then about that time, you know, um, it, it was more lucrative to have an agent do that and to get, to, you know, to get me sponsors and to take 20% of that, it you know, it made sense, but also usually what happens is they take over your fight negotiations and they, um, <clears throat> talk to Joe Silva and had that barrier between you, which looking back on it and even now, like it's, there's, there's a little bit more room to maneuver now with managers to negotiate who you're, who you're going up against. But that was pretty much their main job was to get you an opponent. And with Joe Silva, it was it was basically take it or leave it, you know, you know, type of deal. And um, um, when the negotiations came up, um, you know, for a contract, over ninety percent of the guys were were. Um, you know, here's the offer, take it or leave it. You know, they might throw a low ball offer at you and you might be able to work up like off that, you know, and that's, that's just kind of, um, you know, letting you feel, kind of feel like, like you're getting more, but you know, you're not, it's just, they went really low and now you worked up. Um, Anderson Silva, he might have had a little bit more leverage. GSP, you know, like all those guys had a little bit more leverage to maybe negotiate. And 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 those guys were kind of negotiating more with uh, Lorenzo and and you know Dana. But um, the the lower guys, which is 
98% of us, you know, even, even if you were fighting for a title fight, you know, it was, it was mainly you were, you were dealing with the Joe Silva and, um, again, managers and agents, they, they have to do what they have to do to put, to put food on the table as well. And, um, you know, there wasn't really a lot of room to do, to do their job. So, right. um, um, but, but they tried to make you think that, that they were doing their job and, and, and look, I, you know, I negotiated a great fight, you know, for you or whatever it is. And, and, and really it was just Joe Silva called, you know, I got two options <laughs> and <laughs> you can take this or this. And, um, you know, so that's kind of how, how that negotiations, uh, went and and again, for a long time, I didn't have a, you know, I didn't have a manager and then pretty much when I went on a little dip after the, um, TJ Grant fight, you know, I lost a couple more times, you know, it just wasn't, wasn't making sense. You know, um, you know, I had a, I had a guy and, and, uh, um, you know, a good guy. We were, we were close and, and, but, you know, it just didn't make sense, you know, like as far as, as my money's concerned, you know, to pay bills, to, to, to put food on the table, to have a manager, you know, right. and that's obviously when I got locked in a couple of fights after that to an eight fight contract. And kind of to, to to some to kind of bring it all together. I mean, I think I think most people at this point would agree that the best way to get fighters to improve their uh, their bargaining uh, collective bargaining would be through an association, through expansion of the Ali Act, or a, a union that would be ideal as well. Yeah. What in you your know, opinion? You know, I would really. Hmm? I oh, always kind of. I always kind of thought that we should be a part of the. Um, the Screen Actors Guild, you know, mm-hmm. um, like SAG, you right. know, because, um, you know, these people are getting paid off. Obviously, the Ali Act is where we got to start, you know, right. first and foremost. But, like, you know, again, I didn't see any residuals off that, like, off the Edgar, uh, you know, off the Edgar bouts. I didn't, you know, I got bonus, I got paid, and that was it. You know, and there was no standard to how much I got paid. And um, Screen Actors Guild, I mean, there's there's a little bit of negotiations, but it's all, you know, I'm still getting checks off like little TV shows and, and you know, kind of movies. You know, I did because because of reruns and because of, of uh, you know, stuff like that. So, again, there's not a lot of thought into that, but, you know, just kind of putting it, into um you know into an idea you know i'd like to see us like be a part of that where prelim is you know even if it's even if it's like uh um you know an extra almost you know to where there's standards of what those extras get and uh you know not a lot of thought into that and people could probably tear that apart but you know um uh, no, just anything is better than nothing. Yeah, yeah I've never actually heard sure, that because I don't know how much they've they've made off 
selling the fights to these programs, you know, ESPN to Fox and, and there's gotta be money tied into that, you know? Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're for sure making money and they're, they're getting viewership and they're holding views. Um, I, I mean, I can't count the amount of times I saw, I saw it on, uh, when it was back on Fox and they were playing something on FX, some fights or something there, you know, uh, Fox right. sports one, how many times did I just sit in the, Oh, go watch. I have, you know, it's easier for me to do that. Uh, yeah. and the, I mean, before, I guess before we wrap it up, like, what do you think it would take? What do you think is the first step that fighters would need to take to really get the ball rolling on these things and not, and push back, I guess. And is it just through former fighters and people like that? Uh, um, would it take a John Jones or George? Yeah. Well, you know, again, I think it, it does take like bigger names who have the ability to hold out and to speak up. And, um, you know, we can't count on these guys that are, you know, the guys and gals who are just trying to put food on their table. You know, we can't put them in that spot because they do have to make money. And, um, you know, I think bigger names and a long time ago, I, I, there was a couple interviews, you know, and like, I think, you know, the Diaz brothers are going to be more known in the long term than a Connor. Because you look at, you know, everybody compares Connor to Ali, but, you know, Ali is, is really known and went down in history because he stood up for his rights. He stood up, he, he sat out because he didn't go to, uh, he didn't go to the war. He, um, he stood up, you know, for a race. He stood up for countries. There was a lot of, a lot of things beyond boxing he did to make him, um, you know, a legend. And oh yeah, and the Diaz's are are kind of that way. In they've always stood up, you know, for like what they believe, and and they've lost a lot of you know time because they stand up for what they believe in, you know. And 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 Connor has really been more about the money than anything you know and um i don't see him you know i see him donating to um you know a lot of uh you know organizations and stuff but but you know i don't really see him standing up for the little guy and standing up to make change you know in a lot of areas and um you know there's a lot of great athletes that have come through many sports you know, and they're known, but to become an icon, you have to go beyond the sport. I mean, I could not sum that up any better. Uh, Bray, I appreciate immensely the time that you that you set aside to talk to me about this. I, I think that it's important to have people like you come on and talk about these things because the best way to to get awareness is to get the word out. The best way to make change is to create awareness so that people actually push for it. And I, I appreciate you coming right. on here so that yeah. we can hopefully do that. Yeah. Um, know, that, and that, and that's going to be making the change is, is, um, you know, just keep people talking about it and, and just keep getting the truth out there because the truth is what people's, what, what opens, you know, like eyes to, what opens eyes to a lot of the problems. And again, it's like, you know, I'm standing in line for a cup of coffee. It's like, Hey, 
you know, you know, Gray Maynard, right? Yeah, hey, you fought for the UFC for so long. Awesome, yeah. Love that fight with with Diaz or Edgar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, man, I heard you guys get paid terrible. And this is like a conversation that's happened so many times. And yeah, you know, it, we do it a lot for the love, you know. Okay, cool. Hey, do you mind if I just ask you, like, what, what, did, what did you make off that, you know, Edgar fight or whatever? You make about a million dollars or something? What? No, I was, I was, I was guaranteed 26 grand. And then it's just like, it's, it's like almost awkward. You know, they're just like, oh my God. Yeah. They kind of look at you like you're stupid. And it's, it's like, hey, you know, I, I don't know what to say, you know. So, um, you know, and that's the, that's the stuff that like people know, but they have no idea, right? It's like, oh yeah, those guys are getting paid terrible. I, you know, I bet they're only making like a million dollars or something. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, well, <laughs> I don't even like it's not, I would honestly have you come back on just to maybe get into even more nitty gritty details of individual stories at some point, but uh, you know, in the future for sure. Um, so again, yeah. thank you, Gray, for coming on and, and speaking with us to get awareness out about the issue of fighter pay. It's something that personally yeah. for me, I, I hold near and dear to me because I know so many at this point, so many people who kind of just get screwed all the time yeah. so yeah um, you know and and it's only going to get worse uh correct. you know there's a lot of people who are dealing with a lot of long-term damage and uh with 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 no backups with no um with no help you know on their on their injuries on anything and uh you know i think it's time it really is you know time to that it starts getting out there. And, and again, we all appreciate your help and we all appreciate you giving us the platform to, you know, to talk about it. It's our pleasure. I mean, we, we do this because we love it. And, you know, if we can do anything to give back to the, to the, to the fighters who provide us our entertainment to uh, uh, the sport we love, uh, I mean, that's what we'll do. So awesome. thank you again, Gray. Uh, everyone, just make sure that you go check out thefightsat.com, the Patreon, follow us, share, subscribe. Please make sure you share this uh, interview in particular, even though I mean this for all of it. But this one, I think, is incredibly important because it affects every single one of the fighters who we... Last thing. Exactly. Last, yeah. Last, last deal is, is, uh, is, you know, obviously, you know, I kind of mentioned the Diaz's. You know, they were doing it for a long time, but now that John Jones and George are, are kind of stepping up, you know, they're, they're um, you know, hopefully their name kind of goes down, you know, in history as well. And, and hopefully they're, they're not bought, you know, the UFC has a tendency to, um, you know, kind of, um, you know, again, I have no research and no facts, but like, uh, you know, people hold out and, and hopefully they don't just get bought out, you know, and they, they, they kind of stick to their ground. I hope you're right. For, I, I, for reasons yeah. other than just themselves. Right. Right. You know, of course. And, but I think long-term it will, it will, um, you know, help their name and their legacy, you know, if they do stand up for, you know, the rights of, of all the athletes. And, and uh, hopefully the, I would say the, 
that they end up being the catalysts for a change rather than a, a, a small blip in the overall yeah. history. Um, 100%. Uh, again, thank you. And remember, everyone, yeah. check out the fight site and all that. So uh, this has been Ben Cohen with another amazing fight site interview with Gray Maynard. Make sure you check Gray out on Twitter. He's been talking about this stuff a lot. So make sure that you follow him on Twitter, Instagram, every bit of social media. And yeah, anything that you want to plug, by the way, before we go? Uh, n- nothing really. Just, um, you know, a lot about the Ali Act, um, just a lot about the stuff that's going on, you know. Um, you know and anybody who supports uh, the sport, you know, you should support the athletes. All right. Well, thank you all so much and uh, have a great day, Greg. Great. You too. All right.